This is Pete Moore. I'm on Halo Talks NYC on location in San Diego with uh, old friends of mine from Atlanta, Georgia. Work out anytime. I've got Steve, John, and Mark, the owners of Workout Anytime, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, the growth of the company since 1999. So, Steve, why don't you kick off and just give us a little bit of background on the uh, the, the the genesis of how this started, and uh, and then we'll fast forward through the conversation on where you guys are today. Well, like I said earlier, we started in 1999 uh, with a single uh, facility in Douglasville, Georgia. Actually, it was only 3,200 square feet. It was a conversion from a ladies' club that. Uh, uh, she uh, closed in the middle of the night, and uh, the landlord that we had earlier helped negotiate the, the space for our ladies' club called John and, and said, look, I've got a vacant space. You guys said you're interested in getting back into the business. And we met with him over coffee at Waffle House, and John had prepared what I call the first official LOI. A real estate document for the company on a cocktail napkin nice. with our terms, nice. and uh, they were quite, uh, quite demanding. And uh, he basically said yes, and just like that, we're in business, and uh, that's where Workout Anytime was born. Gotcha. So you took over this location. What, what was the? Uh, so, you, so you went to Waffle House thinking that you were going to buy one, take over one club, and well, kind of see where we, it went, or what was the? We were, we were going to hear what he has to say. Um, <laughs> right. Like I said, John makes some pretty demanding terms on the. Uh, the real estate offer, you know, we had to convert a ladies' club to a, a co-ed club. But we already had our model in mind. We had our name. We knew what we wanted to do. Gotcha. Uh, okay. We wanted to do a 24-hour key club concept. And, um, you know, we, uh, he rapidly took our offer, and we felt like maybe we left a little money on the table. But at, a, wa- at a Waffle House, it's kind of hard to do anyway. Well, it was, and, and literally on a cocktail <laughs> napkin. Uh, I'd like to have that document. Uh, yeah, that would be good for frame. But, frame. The, but he was a good friend of, of our company early on. And um, we said yes. And we took the aerobic room, converted it to a free weight room. We took the child care room, turned it, converted it to a men's locker room, put our cardio, our strength in, our model, our 24 uh, 7 model. And um, we started out. And we felt like we would be successful, um, but uh, we didn't, didn't plan on the success that we had early on. I mean, that club, and John, you can jump in and help me here. We had over $800,000 in receivables after the first 10 months, and we were surrounded by competition. Wow. So we took the, you know, the, the 24-hour concept, uh, packaged a $24 a month membership for 24 months, and uh, it worked. It worked, you know. And were you guys actually inside the club, operating the club every day? John, John was. John was. Yeah, John, we, welcome to the show and well, to the front desk. Well, <laughs> let's put it this way. Yeah, when you get up and drive from uh, Dunwoody, Georgia to Douglasville at 530 in the morning and you have one other employee that shows up at 9 and, of course, you work till 8. Yep. Uh, that's sort of what an entrepreneur does. And yep, you got to learn the business from the ground up, right? So, did yeah, we... I remember the one girl that we had selling, she took off on the Sunday. Of course, we were working, working seven days, so she took off on Sunday, and, and I wrote $3,000 worth of business, and she missed out on about 15 commissions, so she never took Sunday off again. It's <laughs> <laughs> the, the uh, negative controls of a business, right? If you're not yeah, there, hey, you can't hey, get paid. Hey, it's a little old-school <laughs> way of doing things, right? Was there a special that you run on Sundays, or...? I'm just kidding. No, just no. That, yeah. <laughs> no, the interesting thing was that, um, you know, 
the thing started on a napkin, but, you know, we had my brother was doing the construction. We didn't have a construction outfit, so we were, like, piecing everything together. Uh, advertising materials, Mark would cringe because they were done, you know, on a piece of paper on a computer sure, to make a sure. sign. So uh, it was a lot of fun, though. It was yeah. a lot of fun. Well, I think people need to appreciate that when you... Uh when you start a brand and you start a business and, and you just have the goal of making that one location successful, you know, that really is, you know, the, the recipe for, for doing a franchise. You can't really say, I'm going to do a franchise and then figure out what that franchise is going to be. So, and Mark, when did you join up uh, a couple of years ago? You, you joined the team here? Yeah, I joined in uh, July of 15. Um, Steve and I go back a long way. He and I worked together back in the 80s when I was running the marketing for Bally's. And uh, stayed, we struck up a friendship, stayed in touch throughout the years. I kind of took a different path. I, I went corporate and ended up uh, running marketing and, and eventually running business units for public companies. And uh, Steve and I would stay in touch, and he, he was telling me about this concept. He said, look, you know, we're not there yet, but, but trust me, at some point I'm going to come back and we're going to talk. And that discussion took place at the athletic business show about three years ago. He said, look, yeah. I got this thing to a point where I'm going to need some senior leadership, and, you know, are you interested? And my, my wife and I were looking for our next kind of challenge in California. Uh, Ad adventure, right? Adventure. Adventure. Probably a better way to put next it. Adventure. <laughs> and uh, you know, the kids were out of the house, and I thought, you know, let's, if we're, we're going to do it, we need to do it now. So we did what I thought I would never do. I moved from California to Atlanta, um, packed up, came out. You know, Steve and John, the way they outlined the opportunity here was just tremendous. And we hit the ground running, and we've been having fun, three of us, since. That's great. So um, let, let's talk about the location uh, goes well in Douglasville and yeah, uh, started, what happened after Yeah, when that. we started uh, the first club, we had no idea that we would be franchising one day. Right. Hell, I couldn't even spell franchise, let alone, you know, okay. start a franchise company. But, you know, one club led to two, two led to three. That you were doing corporate-owned corporate at that owned, point? Yeah, yep. we, and we opened, I think it was eight clubs. They were all highly successful. And, um, you know, we... Woke up one day and figured, you know, we had something we thought was was special. I understand, stood, did a little research on franchising and I understood that you had to have three things. You had to have something that was unique in nature, something that was duplicatable, and something with a proven track record. We had that, and mm -hmm. um, so we started work out anytime franchising systems in 2005. Sold our first franchise in 2006, which was a huge win. As I, all it takes is one for you to realize that maybe maybe I can do this. Sure, sure. And, and it's, I mean, so it's a big financial commitment to, to put together the franchising documents, the audit, and everything else, right? Well, I, I had a friend, and still he's still a friend, at, uh, an attorney, and gave him a little piece of the, of the company to do the franchise documents, and gotcha. he helped us get started. And we recruited a franchise uh, professional that uh, sold... Um, Approximately 200 Quizno franchises. A fellow named Randy Trotter, who's still with us today. Yep, sure. And that's how you know John and I we we started. We uh, Randy likes to say we early on we we kissed a lot of frogs <laughs> on our way to you know finding Find the franchises. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah we, we went through a few. So when you when you look back at uh, you know after the first location, um, you know in the first location when when you really dig in there, you know that that that's going to work because of you know your personal passion and commitment and you know being in the club seven days a week and then did you find the other opportunities that you started to do on a corporate basis did you do those based on you know that it was a similar economics similar type of you know 
retail spot? What, what were some of the things that piqued your interest? Say, like, you know what, this is going to work here. Well, we we did everything consistently across the board back then. You know, all the clubs were we. The model evolved. It got a little better as we opened, you know, clubs three, four, and five. And when we got to club five, the model had pretty well rounded itself into the the, the place we wanted it to be. And um, they all the clubs started to look alike, and they were started to be equipped alike. And and I think that was you know one of the early you know openings for us to consider franchising as well. And John was running the day to day, and um, and we. We we did everything. I think you know by the book. We you know, we've been doing this for you know almost 40 years, 40 plus years. So it wasn't like we were new to the industry. Sure, sure. Well, one of the fun things was that uh, we would come to trade shows like this, and we would talk to at that time giants in the industry, and they said you couldn't make any money with that size of club. So we just did it anyway. Right. So, so as you uh, as you started doing franchising, obviously now you're. Uh, you're getting up every day and you're working to make sure somebody else is successful. Um, and, you know, you did kiss a lot of frogs. I, I'm, I'm assuming we're still allowed to use that term, right? I mean, like, yeah. there's a lot of things we can and can't probably, say, but probably not. we should be able to kiss some frogs. Like, it's just, hey, you probably can't it's not, say it's not, French it's not frog, offending but... anyone, is it? I hope not. If not, why don't you delete the podcast <laughs> network because it's how I talk. Well, if, if being successful, uh, if offending people meant success we would be here today <laughs> we were pretty good at that back yeah. in the day but, but when you started to look at, at at the franchise model and decided to basically say look i'm, I'm going to respond be responsible for other people's success and you say look i've proven this because I've, I've got years in the industry and, and years in understanding multi-unit and i've proven it myself not just one time you know in, in Douglasville, but i've proved it several times over now what kind of skill set did you did you need to bring in? How did it kind of change the way you you approached every day? Or did you say, you know what, someone's just going to come in and basically run my playbook, and I'm going to keep optimizing my own playbook? Yeah. Honestly, God, we did it on the fly. You know, we really didn't have a uh, a set uh, set plan. You know, it was uh, we got up every day. We somewhat shot from the hip, and we chased leads, organic leads, mm-hmm. and uh, you know. I, I, Quoted often as saying, "We built built the company one brick at a time." Yep. And we made a lot of mistakes on the way. We we learned a lot, and um, you know we just kept kept our nose down and just you know, really determined to make this work. You know we had a we had a downtime in 2009. We had a little spurt there at the beginning. 2009, the economy was down. Uh, we sold one franchise, opened one club that year, and mm-hmm. uh, that's that's the closest I came to saying, you know. What 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 the hell am I thinking here? Gotcha. And uh, just stuck with it, believed in it. We knew we had something that that was real and something that was special. And um, you know, we, 2010, we opened our first club outside of Atlanta, and uh, things started to grow again. And gotcha. We, and we've never looked back. And Mark, you know, just giving your background on some of the public companies that that you've worked for and some of the brands, you know, your involvement in the business over the last several years. You know what? What's uh, you know in front of John and Steve here? You know, tell us you know, what, what have you optimized and what have you been focused on? Well, you know, certainly we'd never want to lose the entrepreneurial spirit that uh, Steve and John have created, and we don't. I mean, I think that's one of the keys to our success. At the same time, you know, it took about 15 years to go from one club to 50. We went uh, from 50 to 102 years. We'll probably go from 100 to 200 another two years. So the the, the momentum is certainly accelerating. When you get to a 
a network organization that's that large, you have to implement systems and procedures. And my goal was to, to get us to look like a public company, even mm -hmm. though we want to maintain that entrepreneurial spirit. If we can set ourselves up with the right financial rigor, the right systems and procedures that you need to run a 200 plus network of, of health clubs, then we can start to, to really grow. And, and really that's been my role here is to try and take the vision that John and Steve have keep that spirit, but do it under the context of something that is set to scale. And we've been doing that. You know, we're, we're at 160 clubs now. We've got another 30 that are in some phase of pre-opening. We've got another 70 in the queue. Mm -hmm. um, we know from uh, some studies that we've done in just a, a number of states that there's a market of, you know, near 1,000 locations for us. You know, we don't really want to be the biggest. You know, we've got some great great uh, organizations in this industry that are large and certainly, you know, tremendous competitors. Our goal is to be the most admired. And, and we do that by supporting our franchise partners, as you talked about, mm -hmm. making sure that they're successful. And, and frankly, that's been the key to our growth as our franchisees. They're just, you know, tremendously passionate people that really care about their members. So, so when you look at, a, at a, a franchise lead that comes in, you obviously got some of these larger boxes out there that are running the, the lower cost play. Um, seems like you've got the right price point. You're in markets that maybe other people might pass over because they don't think it's big enough, and, and you've got a nice niche. Um, how do you think about that from a if, – if I'm a potential franchisee, you know, what, 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 where are you encouraging me to go? Well, you know, typically they want to go where they live. Um, but we like small markets. You know, and, and it's not just because the bigger brands don't go there. They certainly do, and we wake up every morning expecting that. But when we go into smaller markets, and, and I'll tell you, that the, the largest <laughs> clubs in our network are in markets you've probably never heard of. As a matter of fact, I tell our development guy, if he brings a deal to us in a market I've never heard of, it's probably a good, <laughs> a good market for us. Gotcha. But um, we like to take kind of a cheers type of attitude with our clubs and our members. They're all locally owned. Um, they take a tremendous interest in their members. And creating that environment mm -hmm. is really what we believe differentiates us from everybody else. You know, as you see more and more retail space becoming available uh, from the Amazon effect, do you, do you have an urge to build bigger locations? Do you kind of say, look, this is the size that you need and don't overextend yourself even though it looks appetizing from a square footage standpoint? I would say yes if the rent's low enough. Got it. So it's really based on the unit economics of the model and if we can, you know, but but we're pretty, you're, you're very stringent on, on making sure that that franchisee sets himself up for success and like benchmarks against what other locations are doing. Well, that's, you know, why they buy a franchise, right? They want to tap into the years of experience that all three of us and the team back at Atlanta have. Sure. In many cases, you know, they're coming into this industry not from this industry. As a matter of fact, we prefer that because they're not bringing any bad habits with them or right. things that we have to unlearn. And they rely heavily on us to tell us, to, to show them how to do the real estate piece, which we provide, how to do the pre-opening piece, which we provide. And then once they're open, how to optimize their, their facilities so that they, they can get to that requisite number of members. Got it. And are most of the franchisees, this might be a, a stereotypical question, but are most of the franchisees actually working inside the clubs? Uh, or are they more, you know, business owners having multiple units, or is it kind of across the board? I think it's across the board. I think we have uh, some that are, some that are not. We like to see uh, owners that are involved and pay attention to their business, and they tend, those clubs tend to be more successful. But um, we got a little bit of both. And um, as you see some of the 
labor laws changing in this country. Um, some of the boutiques that you know have a have a very sophisticated model and group exercise. Um, you know, obviously, uh, there, there's a lot going on right now in certain states where you know if you if a, an employee is inside the club, you know they're technically need to get paid for you know just to, once they walk in the door. So, do you view your model as one that you know mitigates some of the complexity of of being in the what we call the halo sector you know certainly on the membership side i think the, the biggest challenge we've had is what those labor laws do to personal training you know remember in the old days you know personal trainer would hang around the club and drum up business and and work that way well now you know they're on the clock if they're hanging around so if they're not teaching a class or working with a with a client they still need to get paid so the prospecting part of the business has changed quite a bit, you know, and it's just, you know, we're still doing it successfully. It just, you know, changes the way we set things up and the way in which we have to compensate our, our trainers. It, it has definitely done that. The uh, one thing that we require all of our franchise franchisees to do is engage with an HR company. Uh, we have a preferred uh, company called uh, HR Strategies, okay. and we want to stay in alignment with the labor laws. We don't might not necessarily agree with them, and they have, they like Mark said, they have. Um, Held us back a little bit in the PT area, but right. but you know we, we we don't challenge those. You know, right. So so just to, so for people obviously they're going to look on the the site, you can look at an FTD. But just talk about what's going on inside the four walls of the club from a service offering. Again, one of the benefits of this this model is there's not a lot of moving parts, really. You know, you've got you've got uh, probably five to six people that you need to run it if you're running a full PT organization. So you don't have a lot of high-priced uh, labor. You don't have a lot of, certainly no inventory, obviously, because we don't do that. Um, ABC Financial handles our, our, door process, our payment processing and door controls, so we're able to manage throughput based on, you know, if the member is current with their, with their sure. dues. Um, we're looking more, as I think a lot of people in our space are, at the non-dues opportunity, because when you're a low-priced provider like we are, there's going to be a limit to which you can generate revenue based on a, 50, a 19 dollars $29, $39 membership. So if we can edge up some of the non-dues opportunities and get that average revenue per member up over $25, $30, the economics get really exciting because you're talking about a relatively uh, modified rent number, $8,000. Right. Labor is, is controllable. You've got an equipment payment. And after that, there's really not a lot of expenditure. So if we can you know, optimize around 2,000 members and we can get that non-dues revenue up, you know, the you get to that leverage point where you're really putting a lot of money to the bottom line for a, for a franchise partner. That's great. Um, in a lot of franchise organizations, um, you, you don't. Once a company gets to a certain size, you you don't get to interact with the founders. You know, you get kind of you get you get a, a franchise sales, and then you get to um, uh, you know account exec, and you know then you get to a launch. It seems like you guys are all you know have your hands in the business and and fully committed to each new franchisee. Talk a little bit about what kind of support staff and what kind of operating executives you brought in. I know some of them personally that, that have been in the industry. Um, so how's that grown since the last time we uh, connected down in, uh, well, well, in Atlanta? Bit. Well, last time you were in Atlanta, we were working out of the back seat of our car. Uh, well, I, I appreciate you moving the computer over <laughs> yeah. so we go to the steak place right. at the time. That was fun, yeah. though. No, we, uh, <laughs> we've... Uh, We've come a long way. Like any entrepreneur, we started, you know, on humble means and, you know, ran part of the company from the basement of my house. And we had uh, took some square footage from the 
back of a existing club. And I think we had two full-time people. Now we have a staff of almost 20. Yeah, and they're they're Congrats. all uh, just top-notch uh, professionals and and people. I think right now that's the strength of our company is the support staff. You know that Mark leads every day. So I'm looking forward to you coming to Atlanta and uh, taking a look. Yeah, close and personal. That sounds great. Yeah, we're going to do that. The, the one thing I wanted to leave people with here, you know, if they're thinking about going out on their own or if they're thinking about um, starting up their uh, a, a business and, and become a franchisee, you know, don't ask the question of how much does this cost? Think about is there's at least a million dollars worth of overhead and I'm basically charging you, you know, 5%. You get a full, you know, million dollars worth of people that are waking up every day trying to help you succeed and, and people that are running a similar type of business. So you're basically contributing to the, the centralized, you know, operations. You're not, uh, don't try and jam me on like what my royalty is. Like I've got, I hired all the people in Atlanta to, to, to actually make you better. Well, I, I like to say, you know, the beauty of a franchise system is real simple. If you succeed, we succeed. Right. And uh, we really buy into that. Um, let me assure you, we earn our, our royalties, sure, a hundred percent, and uh, we 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 go out of our way to make sure we do everything in our our power to make sure our franchisees are successful. That's our main goal. I, th- I think that you know the the big issue here is that uh, you know we like to say that when you join up with us, you're in business for yourself and not by yourself, and and that kind of triggers the entrepreneurial spirit. But this interdependence on one another, and there's really no other industry where objectives are as closely aligned and as, as ours, as sure, Steve says. Sure. If they do well, do we do well? But at, at the same time, you know, we're spending in excess of six figures of marketing materials and support that they get for, for nothing as part of the royalty. They're getting, you know, combined experience in the operations and sports side of probably another hundred years in addition to the, the guys here. So they're, they're, they're getting that, and uh, you're right, it's, it's, a, it's a very meaningful way for them to uh, grow the business but not have to make those investments. That's great. No, I think it's important to add you know, someone that's looking to go into a business for themselves, maybe buy a franchise from us or anyone else for that matter, is they have to understand going in that to, to be successful, they have to make sacrifices in all areas of their lives. And at the end of the day, they also need to understand that they're the last ones to get paid. You know, you know leader, leaders eat last. And uh, if, they, if they don't understand that going in, this is not for them. Right, right. Yeah, I pay payroll. I don't take payroll. Right, that's right. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, well, guys, congrats on the, uh, on the success. I uh, look forward to reconnecting and, and touring the clubs. Uh, I'm glad everyone in our audience here uh, knows about what you built now. And, uh, you know, we'll look at this as a, a business opportunity. And also, you know, if there's uh, vendors and there's other groups that uh, think they can help, um, you know, continue to proliferate what you guys are doing and get people healthy um, in all different cities, whether we know their name of the city or not, the better. So well, thanks for being we, on. We appreciate it. We're, we're extremely proud of our organization and what we've accomplished so far. That's we're, great. We're, That's just, great. we're just getting started. We're just now. getting started. It's good thanks, to hear. All right, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. thanks.